Hey, hi, hello, my creepy lovelies. Welcome back to another Wednesday with me, uh, Black Widow. I'm gonna apologize in advance because the dogs are playing. Um, so you might hear a little bit of commotion in the background. Hopefully you won't, not really sure, so. Um, this Wednesday, I am going to tell you about a case from 2009, even though technically I think if you go to when the murders happened, it would be from 2003. But anyway, it's a, an unsolved case. It's still open. Um, yeah, and we'll just get right into it. Um, so this is the tale of the West Mesa murders, and they call this killer the West Mesa Bone Collector. And this is... Um, like Albuquerque, New Mexico, West Mesa, not uh, Arizona Mesa, just to be clear. So between 2003 and 2005, a string of sex workers had just been, you know, disappearing out of the West Mesa area. And um, 11 of them actually had been murdered and buried on a desert wash in that area on an empty lot. So what happened was um, they were probably likely buried after they were murdered between 2003 and 2005. Um, Again, this case is unsolved, so I only have data that authorities have been providing to the public, which is not going to be as much as I usually have for solved cases, so just bear with me. Um, so in 2006, the housing market had kind of kicked up, and that area, or the area like directly no nos, near it, gosh, was selected to start a new development. And then, um, so they like started grading the nearby land and like getting it ready for housing and stuff. But then the housing bubble of 2008 kind of halted construction. So some developments were made, but not all of them. So the lot that had the mass grave was technically untouched, but the lots surrounding had new developments on them. Um, and so one of those developments had a bunch of residents who were complaining about flooding at the site. Um, so I don't know how many of you know about the weather out in our area of the world. I'm going to be as vague as possible. But we have monsoons pretty, pretty crazily. And essentially what happens is, is that rain just goes and goes and goes. And in the desert, like, it doesn't have a whole lot of places to go, which is why we have all of these washes. Um, so those washes are developed to kind of divert the water. So it's you don't have, like, standing water all around you. But it sounds like they didn't grade... Um, part of the land properly for these developed houses and so there was standing water after uh, a spate of monsoons and obviously the residents were pissed because we all know what comes with standing water fucking mosquitoes the devil's bugs the worst so they were like you guys need to do something about this so the builders went back and they put a retaining wall to kind of channel any excess water that would be coming through so it was no longer standing but the next storm hit, and the retaining wall, coupled with the wash that existed, then ended up diverting a bunch of water to that burial ground, essentially. And so it started, you know, monsoon season hit, storms were coming in and out, and bones started to be exposed from where they were buried. And um, it was eventually found on February 2nd in 2009. So it took a while, okay? Just want to put that out there. Um... Because I don't know when they asked people to put in this retaining wall, so vague. I apologize. 
About 2009 of uh, February, uh, a sweet lady named Christine Ross was walking her dog. Uh, dog's name is Ruka. And they were walking around that wash area. And Ruka saw what he thought was a treat. And he was like, oh, yes, yeah, a bone. So he snagged it on the walk. And he was probably, like, super hyped. He's like, I found a bone. Mom didn't give me this bone. This is my bone. This is the greatest day ever. But uh, Christine was like, that... That, that looks like a human bone. And once she wrestled it away from Ruka, um, she sent a photo to her sister because she's just a nurse. And she was like, I think this looks like a human femur. Can you confirm? And her sister was like, yeah, like you should probably call the police because I'm fairly confident that that is indeed a human femur. So um, Ross called the police. The police showed up, did some investigating. They were right. It was a human femur. So from... Um, the rest of February on to March, police started to investigate, and um, I don't know how many of you know about forensic investigations. So basically, for when you find remains like that, you kind of like quadrant off small sections of the area and start digging. And so that's what they did, and after a while, they came up with um, 11 female remains and one fetus. Um a lot of the remains weren't intact when they were found, so there was some additional work to reassemble them. Um, sorry, I'm pausing because that's just terrible. But um, So yeah, 11 female remains and one fetus. Um, so we've, we've got a terrible serial killer on the loose at this point, like for sure, for sure. And um, the remains ranged in age from 15 years old to 32 years old, and um, they were identified as mostly Hispanic females. So um, they were identified, and, you know, a lot of them had criminal records for sex work and for drugs, and so police went with the assumption that, you know, they were probably in that lifestyle, <sighs> which is a whole other thing, like... You can assume that, but maybe, you know, depending on the last arrest, they were getting clean or they were turning their life around or sex work was really only, like, the only option for work available to them. Like, it's just, like, I understand there's not a lot to go on, but I, I really also don't like the assumption, so. Um, the remains that were discovered in 2009 were identified as these following women and girls. And again, all of them seemed to have disappeared between 2003 and 2005. So we've got a two-year time span. We have 11 females. So that's maybe five girls a year, maybe. So um, they identified Monica Candelara, who was 22, and she was last seen in the area of 118th Street near Aristico in Central and Southwest Albuquerque on May 15th in 2003. Um, I'm going to say a lot of street names. I don't know any of these street names. If you want to pull up a map, by all means. I don't have a map for this one. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, again, like I said, police were like, she has a high-risk lifestyle. She might have gang ties. She was convicted of prostitution once. Um... So, yeah, number one. Um, number two, um, Doreen Marquez, age 27. Um, she was reported as last being seen as dropping a kid off at Calvary Christian Academy 
um, on a street name that I'm not going to tell you because I, I'm too lazy now, uh, on October 10th, 2003. Um, but a friend later would say, no, like I actually saw her last um, in this neighborhood in Aber- Albuquerque. Gosh, that was really south of downtown. So basically she was reported in two different places on October 10th in two totally different directions. So, but anyway, that's the last time she was seen. Um, she didn't have any uh, prostitution arrests, but she did have a history of drug addiction. So because of that and because of all of these other victims, police just assumed that she was in the sex work lifestyle. So there's that. Um, and then we have Victoria Chavez, 26, who was last seen in the area of 118th Street, Southwest Albuquerque, New Mexico on June 5th. Sorry, I'm coming back to it. I'm not going to be consistent this episode. I am, I am too tired. Um, her mom... Oh, I forgot about this. No, so her mom reported her missing in March of 2005. And her mom... It's so interesting. Her mom was like, I haven't seen her in a year. But now I'm reporting her missing. Which was weird. Um... But in her missing persons report, she was listed as being on probation and she was known for having a drug habit and being a sex worker. She had five prostitution convictions, according to court records. Um, She was the first victim they were able to identify. Um, So there's that. And then we have uh, Veronica Romero, 27, and she was reported missing by her family on Valentine's Day in 2004. Um, she's also was found out there. Uh, Jamie Barella, 15, was last seen. So a lot of these people, it looks like, were last seen in that area of 118th Street, Southwest Albuquerque. Um, so maybe I'll have to look up exactly what was there. And I apologize. I wrote these notes kind of hasty. Um, if they're all last seen in that area, then that's probably where he was hunting from, at least until something got him to stop. So, um, I'm sorry, but she was uh, 15 years old. They used DNA and forensic evidence to identify her. Um, she had last been seen at a family gathering in March of 2004, and um, her cousin, Evelyn Salazar, 23, was also discovered. Um, they had left the gathering together and gone to a park nearby. Um, Jamie didn't have any kind of prostitution or drug record. Um, her parents didn't say that she was into drugs or any of that stuff. Do And uh, her cousin Evelyn had only been convicted of prostitution once. Um, but, you know, that's just the one thing that was in court records. So, and then we have, um, I'm going to say her name like Selena, but it's spelled totally differently. So Selena Edwards, 15, she ran away from, um, her home in Oklahoma, uh, in August of 17th, sorry, August 17th of 2003. And she was last seen in that same area and they used a sketch in dental records to identify her. Um, unfortunately they had to go inform her family in Oklahoma when she was reported missing in Oklahoma, she was classified as an endangered runaway. Um, and she was last seen in 2004 hanging out with some sex workers on East Colfax Ave in Colorado. Um, but she had, was often seen in the company of three other sex workers, 
And she would go by the nickname of Mimi or Chocolate. Um, she doesn't fit the profile of the rest of the victims. Um, because all of them, like I said, were either Hispanic. I guess now they're saying in my notes some of them were Caucasian. I don't remember that being earlier. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. And that's our second 15-year-old. So, we've got, again, we've got two 15-year-olds and a bunch of people in their 20s and their 30s. So, he's, he hasn't, the, the murderer has an age range. So, uh, we have Virginia Cloven, 24. Um, she was last seen on April 13th in 2004. She had called somebody to say that she had a new boyfriend. He just got a prison. She was probably going to marry him. Um, and then her parents never heard from her again. So her dad reported her missing four months later in October of 2004. Uh, and then we have Cinnamon Elks, who was 32. And she was last seen on August 20th, 2004. Um, she had a string of prostitution arrests, uh, 19 arrests, 14 convictions, and she was friends with three of the other victims. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's Julie Nieto. Um, her parents last saw her on July 15th in 2004 at her dad's house. Um, she left behind a young son, unfortunately, um, who, you know, her parents said that she loved very much, and she worked very hard to support. Um, she did have a history of drug addiction. She had been doing drugs since she was 19 years old. And then we um, have Michelle Valdez, who is age 22. Her dad reporting report so that she was last seen in September of 2004. Her dad reported her missing in February 2005. Um, she sorry i read this is just this is an, an ick for sure um she was pregnant at the time of her death and the skeletal remains of her four-month unborn child were found buried with her um she was convicted of prostitution once the thing I just I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around the four month old unborn child that was buried with her, but was clearly not still like in her. Um, and I just fucking sucks. Fucking sucks. Um, there are six more names I'm gonna read. They are potential victims. They have not been linked to the case at this time. Um, they were also not found with the rest of these victims. So um, they are either still missing or buried somewhere else. Um, but they were missing during the time that the West Mesa Bone Killer was active. And they were missing from the same area that the rest of these women were taken from. Um, so we have Jeanette Maria de la Cruz. She was 19, last seen October 
sorry, some of these are before 2003. She was last seen um, in October 20th of 2000. And then we have Darlene Trujillo. I'm the worst, I'm sorry. Uh, Age 20, July, she was last seen July 4th, 2001. She was dropping her her son off at um, his grandma's house. And uh, she said, I need you to to watch him. I've got a two-day trip to Arizona. and she was like, yeah, perfect. No no worries. I'll take him. She was, um, at that time, seen with a man named Jorge, but she never came back. And um, a week after she was last seen, her aunt was like, she's missing. She went off to Arizona with this guy. He's not back either. Like, we need to look into this. And then a couple weeks after that, Jorge came back to Albuquerque alone. And he said, oh, I actually never went to Arizona. I went to a different part of New Mexico. And they were like, what the fuck? Why? And he was like, oh, we had a fight. And so like, she took the car and I never saw her again. Um, You know, obviously authorities want to question him and her disappearance. They have yet to locate him. Also, I don't think they have a last name. So that makes it very difficult. Um, So... That one, again, is unsolved. Uh, We have Christine Julien, age 31. She was last seen April 14th, 2003. Um, She had worked at the strip clubs called The Knockouts and The Baby Dolls. Um, She left behind uh, a young daughter, unfortunately. Um, She was declared legally dead in July of 2008, but they... Never, nobody found her. Nobody's found her remains to this day. Um, then we have Brenda Jean Apolicio, age 39. She was last seen May of 2003, leaving a family member's house. Uh, we have Martha Jo Lucher, age 32. She was visiting her mom and her kids uh, September of 2003. Um, she wasn't seen from after she went to go hang out with a friend. Uh, Merlinda Juanita Jenkins, age 57, um, last seen on Christmas Eve in 2004. Um, her her, sister, her her daughter reported her missing six years after her disappearance. Um, it was reported by her family that they thought that she was homeless in Albuquerque, but she actually like had been living in Columbus, Ohio. And then they were like, oh, well, we saw her for Christmas, but then we never saw her again. Um, they were also said, you know, she's bipolar, but we don't know if she's taking any medication. So, uh, we have Anna Vigil, age 20, last seen, uh, January 21st of 2005, uh, left behind a three-year-old son. Uh, Felipe Gonzalez, age 22, last seen April 27th, 2005. She was just released from jail. Uh, Nina Heron, age 21, last seen May 14th, 2005. Um, Jillian Elizabeth Henderson Ortiz, age 19, last seen, um, in early 2006, um, but they never saw her or heard from her after her last phone call to her parents in January. Um, she said she was going to go see her brother in California, but they never saw her again. Um, Chantel Waits, age 29, last seen March 15, 2006, Leah Pebbles, last seen May 5th, 2006. Vanessa Reed, last seen June 13th, 2006. Um, So we have... We have a lot of missing women. We have a lot of murdered women. 
and they're in a mass grave. Um, like I said, none of these bodies were recovered. Police do continue to suspect that they're buried in a different mass grave. Um, in December of 2010, police released some seven photos of ident- unidentified women who may have also f- been victims of the West Mesa Bone Collector because they fit the profile. Um, two were identified as alive, but they couldn't be located for questioning. And then um, in June of 2018, they found more bones near the site of the burials, but they were determined to be like ancient, ancient bones, and they were not related to the West Mesa murders. Um, so they have never, they have never officially named a suspect. Now there were a couple of note, um, so I'll just get right into them. Uh, there was, um, you know, they looked at this guy, Fred Reynolds, he was a pimp, but he died in 2009. Um, they had a guy named Lorenzo Montoya and a lot of people in the area thought it was Montoya because he lived three miles from the mass gravesite and people stated that they could see like dirt trails from his trailer to the gravesite. Um, again, never officially named a suspect. He at one point strangled a teenager in his trailer in December of 2006 and was subsequently shot and killed by the girl's boyfriend. Um, so we have him. And then I think our last disappearance is June 2006. So if it was him and all of that stuff stopped because he was killed. Um, They also looked at a different serial killer, Scott Lee Kimball, but I looked into him and his MO is totally different. And so obviously they were never gonna be able to tie these murders to him. Like he is a a a a money motivated killer. Like this stuff does not fit his MO. Um, the most likely suspect in my personal opinion at this point in time, based off of the information we have available, was um, Joseph Blea. Uh, he was an active rapist in the 1980s and probably after that. Um, and his MO was to break into the houses of teenage girls, sometimes as young as 13 years old, near a middle school in Albuquerque and rape them. Um, there was an instance where police found a dead sex worker and his DNA was the only DNA on her body. And they have long since suspected him of that, but they have nothing else to tie him to that murder. Um, and then the flimsiest piece of evidence they ever found was that they found a tree tag from a nursery, like a tree nursery, you know, like plant with plants and shit, uh, that he frequented often at that mass grave site. Um, but again, that could be anybody's tree tag. It could be anybody's tree. They were developing the neighborhoods. Like that's hardly anything. Um, but what happened was is his DNA was linked to an open rape case and he ended up getting sentenced to 36 years in June of 2015. Um, he was 58 at the time of his sentencing. And like I said, there have been no official suspects named in connection with these murders. Um, in 2010, they upped the reward. So it still stands at $100,000 for any information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible for these murders and these disappearances. Um, the reward still stands to this day. The Albuquerque Police Department just had a press conference in February of, um, this year, 2002. Yeah, this year. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. Um, 
to try and like continue to get the public's help with this case. Uh, the FBI is involved, but again, to this day, it's cold case. They have no answers. And it's like, so some of our best suspects are dead or in prison, or we have, they have a whole other level of suspects they're looking at, but they can't disclose anything because they don't have enough evidence and they don't want the suspect to get tipped off. So, um, when I was originally writing about and researching this case, I was looking at my big murder map and I had an idea but it didn't pan out based off of the dates of another serial killer and how active there was they were. So there's, um, and I'll do an episode on this individual as well. It's also unsolved, but there was a, oh, what are they called? That's not right. Yeah, there was um, a serial killer in Denver also killing sex workers from, I think, the early 70s to the late 80s. Um, I, you know, from 80s to 2000s, that's a long time to be dormant. But if you're in prison, makes sense. And then you get out, you jump states, but you don't go too far. You're going to land in New Mexico. So that's where I was originally trying to go with it. Couldn't find enough information to make a reasonable, you know, jump. So I just didn't. Um, but there you have the terrible tale of the West Mesa bone collector. Um, it's not, not good. I would usually do a lot more yelling, but I have nobody to yell at because they don't have anybody arrested for this. So I think the thing that makes me most frustrated is well, and I'm making an assumption because I don't know what kind of resources Albuquerque Police Department has, but it's frustrating because a lot of people assume that if you are drug addicted or you work in the sex worker or sex wellness industry, like you're, you're living a high, high risk lifestyle. So you got what was coming to you, which is absolutely fucking stupid, but some people do think that. So um, that makes me pretty angry. Um, thank you all for joining me today. I will be back next week with something. There's a lot of stuff on my murder board here. Um, just going to pick one at random maybe. Um, if you guys have a suggestion, please let me know on the creepy cryptid crypt podcast, Instagram. Um, don't forget to like, follow, share, Tell your friends. Do all the things. Uh, I made stickers, which I will be sending out to fans after they listen to this episode and like the photo associated with this episode. Um, I only made 10, and they're not... I have to make better ones. That's my first try, so like, don't judge me too hard, but don't get too excited either. Um, first five people to like that photo will get a free sticker. I will mail it to you. Um, I will include some stickers I did not make, but are also cool um, to kind of beef it up. So until uh, next week, my lovelies, I will see you then. I will talk to you then. Yeah, talk to you then. Okay, goodbye.